is the Osmo NFL Tournament Strategy Show, sponsored by No House Advantage. As per usual on Saturday, I'm here joined by millionaire maker winner Neil Orfield. And uh, Neil, we've got a pretty interesting slate for this weekend. You know, always different things to consider. But how, how do you feel about this slate? Any kind of just overall views on it? It's an interesting slate. There's a lot of good value. Um, so, and there, and there are pay-up options that I like. So it'll be a fun slate. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure yet if I'm going to be going stars and scrubs because there are actually a lot of mid, mid-range uh, options that I like as well. So it'll be an interesting slate where there's options kind of at every level. Um, I'm looking forward to it. And also, I want to thank you for calling me a millionaire maker winner instead of a former million maker winner because uh, the way I see it, once you're a million maker winner, you're always a million maker winner. Yeah, I've made a decision one with it. As as you know, I always because I, I never really think about what I'm going to say ahead of time. Except this time, I was like, you know, how do I introduce Neil onto shows? And you know, it is kind of something we're trying to build around, where it's like this is a tournament GPP show. You've won a Millie Maker, so it's with confidence we put the stamp of approval on Neil. Also, why you guys should be following him on Twitter as well as Twitter handle uh, on the screen right below him. And uh, for sure, Neil getting started doing content in the industry and. Uh, has done really well as far as I get tell so far. Shows with me, shows without me. Uh, Neil, at first, he had said to me that he was a little nervous to do it. It's never played that way at all. So uh, I think that you've been uh, an excellent addition to our team, and I've enjoyed working with you. And also, once again, you guys should be following him on Twitter. Now, something else that I think makes this slate pretty interesting that's different from other slates, we have a lot of high upside quarterbacks that are cheap, have rushing potential, and aren't picking up all that much ownership, whether we're looking at guys like Cam Newton in particular, Jalen Hurts once again, or somebody like Taylor Heineke. What do you make of some of these quarterbacks who are rating out pretty positively in the boom bust tool, also not picking up that much ownership, but there's kind of a lot of variance to them. First of all, Greg, I appreciate the kind words and uh, I, I enjoy working with you as well. Um, <laughs> to answer your question, uh, I'm going to be pretty spread out. I think once again, at quarterback, um, there are a lot of options that I really like. Cam Newton really does stand out as an option that I love. He's coming in at 5% projected ownership. And I was thinking that's got to come up, but now there are rumors that PJ Walker might have a role in, in the offense, um, which kind of confuses things. Um, But I think that I'm going to let that sway other people off of Cam Newton. I'm going to stay on him. I think it lowers his floor maybe a little bit if it's, if we're actually concerned that PJ Walker is going to have any significant role. Uh, But I think it's is still there at 5,100. I think that he is a great play. I'm going to have a lot of Cam Newton. How about you? You know, I feel like I need a little bit more information here. As of now, I'm going to be overweight to the field on him at the very least, because you look at his current projected ownership. He's only projected for 5% ownership. And, you know, it's funny. I had to go back through his game logs last year because I didn't like, I remember Cam Newton's season starting well and then being a little underwhelming going forward. But I didn't remember exactly the ins and outs of it. Something where also a lot of people just go, hey, watch the games, you know, don't look at stats or whatever. Well, my memory isn't infallible. I don't remember every play of every game that's ever happened. That's what kind of helps with uh, data is to look back because data doesn't forget stuff. It doesn't forget certain plays happened. And Cam Newton was pretty solid from a fantasy perspective last year. In terms of throwing the football, he didn't have a whole lot of upside last year. So in terms of stacking options, that becomes a concern. But he finished last year, week 17 against the Jets. He scored 38 fantasy points. He had a couple of other games also where he went over 30 fantasy points. And surely there was inconsistencies. His last four games of of last five games of last season, 23 fantasy points, 5, 12, 9, 38. But that's kind of what we like for tournaments, especially when there isn't that much ownership going to him on FanDuel or DraftKings. So obviously with the PJ Walker thing, we we need to get more information. If he's going to be that involved, it's going to take Cam Newton off the table for me. 
But as it currently stands, I like the upside there. The other question I'm going to ask you is, how are you going to be handling stacking him? Yeah, so I think that I'm going to, I think that I will generally stack him. I just will uh, allow for the stack to be just Christian McCaffrey um, because, you know, McCaffrey is so involved in the in the receiving game um, that I think that just the two of them could get there. You could run, run Cam out there naked, I guess, 5,100. He does have a little bit of rushing upside, um, but I think I'm more comfortable playing him with the stack. Uh, it just doesn't necessarily need to be a receiver for me. It can also be uh, Christian McCaffrey. Maybe, maybe I'll have a few where it's just Cam, um, but I think I prefer him with some receiving options. What are you doing there? I'm actually fine. He's so cheap that I'm fine playing him naked. And then also you look at the, the game he had last week, you know, and he was he was kind of okay from a fantasy perspective. Like if you had just played Cam Newton as a quarterback last week, which obviously nobody would have done, it was like, hey, he's min price. He scored 12 fantasy points. He just paid up for a bunch of guys. On some weeks, that might not be the overall worst situation in the world. I think at the very least, he's going to be very involved in the red zone this week. I think that's something we'd say with a pretty good deal of confidence. And then once again, looking through his game logs from last year, even though he did have some fantasy success and upside, it generally wasn't throwing the football. He had a total of two weeks last year with 275 or more passing yards. So while stacking them, my favorite stacking option is actually going to be Christian McCaffrey as well. I also like Robbie Anderson a little bit because, hey, you know, fool me. Why not fool me eight times on that? Just love the pain. Yeah, yeah, he caught caught a touchdown pass last week. So, you know, he he pulls me back in just just from him out. He pulls me back in. But just because Cam Newton had such limited success throwing the football in volume last year and a lot of his – Fantasy points came from, you know, one yard runs or a little of run yard, one yard touchdown runs or a little bit of rushing upside. I'm, I think I'm only going to want to stack him with one of his pass catchers. And it's mostly going to be the Robbie Anderson or Christian McCaffrey for me. Yeah, I think that you have swayed me a little bit. Maybe, maybe I will run a little bit more uh, cam without any uh, pass catchers there. But it, I mean, it is a different offense. So we have to factor in that he's not playing with New England. He does have better receiving options uh, than he had in New England. But yeah, you make a good point. He's cheap enough. He does run. Um, if he's in, in the red zone, he could score some touchdowns. So um, I, I like the play of playing him by himself as well. Uh, and then while we're on the topic still of something, usually we start with the high price guys and then we go to the cheap guys. But uh, I thought it was kind of more important to talk about some of the cheap options to start this week, just because this is where all the positive leverage is being found at the quarterback position. In our tools right now is these cheaper quarterbacks with some rushing upside, like we mentioned, Cam Newton, Jalen Hurts, Taylor Heineke, Tua Tugavailoa looks good once again this week. He's looked good a few times this year. And, you know, if you're a really cheap quarterback, it doesn't take that much to end up having a good slate. You know, if you get a 5,000, 5,500 quarterback that goes out and puts up 20 fantasy points and then just a bunch of the high-priced options end up doing well on the slate, there's a pretty good chance that cheap quarterback is going to wind up in some pretty high-scoring lineups. So who else stands out to you amongst this cheaper tier of quarterbacks? Yeah, Tua really stands out. Only projected for 7% ownership, but 16.3% boom probability, 10% optimal lineup probability. I really like that. Uh, you can pair him with Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosicki, some, some solid receiving options. So I'm really liking Tua against the Jets. Um, Baker Mayfield a little bit. Uh, so he's only projected for 2.8% ownership uh, with a 5.2% boom probability, 3.4% optimal lineup probability. But actually what I really wanted to point out with Baker Mayfield is his price on Yahoo. On Yahoo, Baker Mayfield is only $23 and Jarvis Landry is $13. So for $36, uh, you can have a pretty solid uh, pair there against the Lions. That's only 18% of your salary on Yahoo, which would be the equivalent of if Baker Mayfield was $5,000 and Jarvis Landry is $4,000 on DraftKings. So I really like them uh, on Yahoo in particular. Um, 
Trevor Simeon, I have just a tiny bit of interest in only because he's projected for 0.2% ownership. So that kind of with a 1.7% boom probability. So it's a, it's a somewhat thin play, but um, in, in a 150 set, I would definitely have a little bit of Trevor Simeon. Um, Taylor Heineke, uh, as you mentioned, he, he looks good for uh, in the tools every week and he comes through a lot of the time. I mean, he's, he's a pretty solid option at 5,300, does a little bit with his legs, uh, does a lot more through the air and he's always cheap. So against the Panthers, I think he is a solid option. Um, I'd say those are of the cheap guys. I think those are my favorites. Do you have anybody else that you like better than that group? Not really. I don't know that I'm going to be on Simeon. Uh, I mean, once again, if you play him in one out of 150 lineups, you're overweight to the field at that point because he's so low owned. So from that standpoint, sure. I'm not going to argue that he has a place, uh, potentially optimal lineup. I don't, I, in terms of, uh, potentially being optimal, I don't think I'm going to ultimately get to him though. Uh, but yeah, for me, the ones I like the most are Tua because he, ha- as much as Miami doesn't like him, he's shown some actual upside. He's been on the field. The big issue has just been, does he stay on the field? He gets hurt a lot, but as of right now, he's healthy. So I like getting to Tua. My two favorite are, are Tua and Cam Newton as of right now. And then Cam Newton, obviously subject to change. If we get more news on PJ Walker, uh, p- potentially playing more. Now I want to ask you about the high priced options at quarterback now. And I have to start by asking this. Are the Chiefs back? Is, is Patrick Mahomes good again? Not that he was terrible before, but it had clearly been an underwhelming season relative to expectations and a couple of wins in a row for the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think it's possible they've turned the season around. Now, just easily, maybe they stink this week and we all go, oh, look, we fell for the bait and this team is actually not really all that good. But what is your gut feeling here? Do you think the Chiefs are back to being an elite team and is Patrick Mahomes an elite fantasy quarterback? I think so. I mean, I've been saying all year that I think Patrick Mahomes at some point is going to turn it around. Um, a lot of the issues have just been, you know, balls bouncing off his receiver's hands uh, into the defender's hands. And uh, I think a lot of it has not really been Patrick Mahomes' fault. Maybe he's been a little bit off, but he's looked pretty good still. Uh, so I really like Patrick Mahomes. Um, the Cowboys defense is much improved this year. So, you know, you don't love that, but the Chiefs can do it against any defense. Patrick Mahomes now is uh, the third most expensive quarterback on the slate. You love that. He's usually the most expensive. So uh, people have been scared off by him enough that he has come down a little bit. And now it's in a game that it's at least expected to be kind of a shootout. So you love that game environment. Um, you know, Chiefs against the, the Cowboys defense uh, should still be able to put up a lot of points and the Cowboys against the Chiefs terrible defense should also be able to put up a lot of points. So I feel like there's there could be at least a lot of scoring. Uh, in this game. And I I like going to it. Of course, it also kind of reminds me of the uh, chiefs Titans game where everybody was, was way over the, or everybody uh, stacked up on it. And then Alex said, well, you know, a little bit of caution. These games sometimes disappoint and he didn't, he kind of faded the game. Um, And then of course it, what there was no scoring. So that can happen, but uh, you know, I I would expect there to be high scoring in the, in the chiefs Cowboys game. How do you like it? Do you, do you think that Patrick Mahomes is back? Um, I'm willing to, I'm, I'm going to be playing my lineups as if Patrick Holmes is back this week. Is he actually back? It remains to be seen. Uh, but you know, who definitely does seem to think that Patrick Holmes and chiefs are back are sports books because the total for this game is set at 56 and a half. And this is not a week with very many high scoring games. So the 56 and a half point total chiefs at home against the Cowboys second highest total of the week Raiders at home against the Bengals at 50 and a half. 
And then you've got the Bills at home against the Colts at 49 and a half. There's not that many games that are expected to be high scoring. So certainly if I'm looking at games to stack, and by the way, I'm not, I'm not, you know, reinventing the wheel here. A lot of people are going to be thinking along the same line. So I don't want to make it seem like I've got some galaxy brain take here. The, 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 the total in this game is almost a touchdown higher than any other game on the entire slate. That's something that's really hard for me to avoid. And I'm going to be very heavy on this game. Yeah, I think that makes sense. And there's a lot of different ways you can go too. I mean, you got Tyreek Hill, you've got uh, Travis Kelsey, and then on the Cowboys, there are several good options as well. So um, it's a pretty, pretty easy game to get to. Um, I was a little bit disappointed to see that the the tools don't really like Dak Prescott. He actually looks a little bit over-owned at 6.7% in the tools. Uh, I still am probably going to get there some. I might get there, you know, similar to the field. He's only got a, according uh, the boom bust tool has him at a 4.8% boom probability, 4% optimal lineup probability. You don't, you don't love that when those numbers are under the projected ownership, but 6.4% top stack probability. Um, like you said, it's just, it's the highest scoring game on the slate uh, projected to be uh, by far. So kind of like getting there as well. Uh, do you think you're going to play any deck? Yeah, probably. One thing that is nice about Dak is there's no Cooper this week. And, and you and I have talked about this a lot this year. In general, is Amari Cooper being out good for Dak Prescott individually? No, not really. But it's good for his stacking options. Like, I have to imagine if this game is high scoring, stays competitive, there's a massive game in store for CeeDee Lamb. So it's really easy to kind of figure out where some of the targets are going towards in the Cowboys offense. So, like, Michael Gallup looks better. And that's how I kind of view a lot of Dallas right now. And Overall, you know, top stack, we only have them at, with a 6.4% chance of being the top scoring team of the slate, like you said, in terms of the boom bust. Well, Dak Prescott's looking a little bit overowned. Uh, but yeah, I'm still going to be getting to at least a decent clip of this game. At the very least, the Chiefs side, I'm going to be very heavy on. I anticipate Patrick Holmes being one of my, if not my most roster quarterback. And even in lineups that don't have either of the quarterbacks, I'm probably going to be getting a lot of, you know, like Cooper Hill combinations or something along those lines, just where um, I'm going to be trying to make secondary stacks of that game to try to generate upside. It's really hard for me to ignore the total. Yeah, I agree with you. It just, it looks like a great game. There should be a lot of scoring, uh, two, two very good quarterbacks, great quarterbacks. So, uh, yeah, it, it's a game that I'm going to be getting to a lot as well. Um, how are you thinking about the, uh, the Bengals Raiders game? I have a little bit of interest in both of those quarterbacks. Um, Derek Carr, 7.2% projected ownership, 9% boom probability like that, but then only a 6.6% optimal lineup probability, 3.9% top stack probability. 5,900, though, against against the Bengals in what should be a high-scoring game. I kind of like Derek Carr. And then uh, Joe Burrow does not look great in the tools, um, but again, it's a high-scoring game. 7.4% um, projected ownership, but then, like I said, 3.6% boom probability, 2.5% optimal lineup probability, 5.6% uh, top stack probability. Do you think you're going to play either of those quarterbacks, or do you think you'll get to uh, some other options in the game, the, the receivers, running backs? Think there's, is there anybody that uh, you like in that game? I guess we're talking quarterbacks, so, so let's start yeah. with the quarterback. Do, do you like Burrow or Carr? Not really. And here's here's the actual number one. Like you said, th these are two quarterbacks. They're both looking a little bit over owned to us. And then once again, you look at our top stacks tool. We have Cincinnati at 5.6% chance to be the top scoring stack of the slate. Las Vegas, 3.9% chance. Everything is kind of making it look like not the best spot in the world, despite the fact the total is fairly high in this game. It's not nearly as high as the total in, say, the, the Chiefs-Cowboys game. And then look at some of the pivot options we have too. We just talked about liking Cam Newton into a tug of Ilolo relative to their prices uh, for, for this weekend. So Derek Carr, for instance, we have him with 7.2% uh, projected ownership, 6.6% chance to land the optimal lineup. We have Cam Newton and two who are both cheaper. 
with less ownership and a higher percentage chance to land in the optimal lineup. So I just kind of look at all that. And is there upside there? Clearly, yes. But I don't know this is a spot that I'm going to get to very often because there's other plays I like more in this price range at QB. Yep, that makes sense to me. And I agree with you. I'm, I'm going to be getting to more of Tua and Cam Newton uh, than Derek Carr and Joe Burrow. They're, they're guys that I, I don't want to completely fade them. I'll have some, but uh, yeah, I'm going to get to more of those those cheaper guys that just look better in the tools and you kind of want to take advantage. Um, so yeah, I think I'm, I'm in agreement with you there, um, although maybe I'll have a little bit more than you of Carr and Burrow. And then anything else really stand out to you from a quarterback position? Just to kind of recap, I really like, uh, we didn't really talk that much about Jalen Hurts, but uh, you and I both liked him pretty much every week as of recent. I'm going to like him again a lot this week. Uh, so him in the mid-range, Newton and Tua for cheap, Taylor Heineke to a lesser extent. I like paying up for Patrick Mahomes. Uh, anything else in that group that, that we should really be talking about here? Yeah, I agree with you about Jalen Hurst. We didn't touch on him, but he looks great in the tools. Um, Ryan Tannehill looks okay to me. I'll probably have some Tannehill against the Texans and just hope they do it through the air instead of on the ground in those lineups. Um, Joe Flacco, they, they talked about him a little bit on the on the contrary show yesterday. Uh, Alex and Whistles go, that was a fun show. Um, but he's got 3.1% projected ownership, 8.1% boom probability, 4.3% optimal lineup probability. Um, you like that. And then he's got a few good uh, stacking options that we'll talk about later uh, in Corey Davis and Jamison Crowder. Um, I would prefer if he was the cheapest viable quarterback on the slate. Tim Boyle now comes in at 4,000 and maybe you have to think about him, but 0.4% uh, projected ownership for Tim Boyle with a 1.5% boom probability. You probably don't want to go too crazy there. It's positive leverage, but it's still a, an unlikely play to pan out. Um, but who knows? Stranger things have happened. I'll probably have a couple of shares of Tim Boyle at least um, just to get over that 0.4% projected ownership. Yeah, I wish Joe Flacco was, well, you know what would make Joe Flacco more valuable is if defensive pass interference is counted as fantasy points because Joe Flacco's made an entire career out of just underthrowing uh, deep balls and the wide receivers to come back to catch it runs into a cornerback. It's called for a defensive pass interference. I don't know what the numbers are if somebody tracks that, but that must that has to be like the majority or, or a massive chunk of the of the offense that his his teams have accumulated over the last you know eight years or so of his career. I'd actually be interested if anybody has that information to shoot it over to me, a site that has it, because at least based on the eye test, which once again, like I said before, I don't have an infallible memory. There's things I forget. It seems like that's where a lot of his offenses have had success over the years, just long, deep pass interference penalties. Um, I don't know that I'm going to be getting to Joe. Actually, I'm pretty sure I'm not really going to be getting to Joe Flacco. Once again, I get that he's uh, low owned and whatnot, but the Jets suck. He's been terrible for years, and he was the basically not in the not in the league in terms of an actual standpoint of getting on the field. Now all of a sudden he's thrust in the mix because uh, Zach Wilson's been hurt and played poorly. We had you know the legend Mike uh, Mike White comes out and apparently he's not the best quarterback of all time. He's benched in favor of Joe, in favor of Joe Flacco. I have to think there's a reason that nobody wants to give this guy opportunities anymore. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I don't want to go overboard on Joe Flacco. It's just the price tag and, and the game environment isn't too terrible. I mean, they're expected to score 20 points. Uh, their implied team total, I should say, is 20 and a half points. So they're expected to you know, put up some points. Uh, stranger things have happened. If we would just take maybe one touchdown. Um, I think that he could do it. So I'll take a couple of shots. But yeah, I'm not not getting overboard, not too excited about playing Joe Flacco. All right, so let's move over to the running backs now. And I want to start by talking about the chalk of the position. That is going to be A.J. Dillon, who we know the situation there with uh, the running back situation in Green Bay. No Aaron Jones for now. And A.J. Dillon's kind of been cutting into Aaron Jones' playing time as is. 
But we now have A.J. Dillon very reasonably priced on DraftKings and FanDuel this week. 7000 on FanDuel. He is 6200 on DK. Is he going to be somebody who appears in your lineups a lot this weekend? Yeah, if, if the numbers stay as they are right now. So there's a good chance that A.J. Dillon's projected ownership uh, comes up a bit. Um, and I should say, I'll, I'll have some of A.J. Dillon either way. Um, unless he's going to be projected for 90% ownership, then I might full fade him. But I'm not expecting that. Currently, we have him projected for 20.5% uh, projected ownership. Uh, 24% boom probability, 25% optimal add-on probability. So as is with the projected ownership at just 20.5%, I would want to be over the field to AJ Dillon, maybe get up to 30% or I don't know, some higher number than, than 20%. Um, he's just in a great spot against the Vikings, 6,200, uh, the lead back. I'm expecting big things from AJ Dillon. So if his projected ownership stays this low, I'm definitely going to be interested in AJ Dillon. How about you? Most rostered running back in the current, not that I have an actual current build right now, but just the other day when I was building dummy lineups, he was the running back that appeared most often for me. I assume that is going to be the case, uh, especially these current numbers. So like you said, we currently have him projected for 20% ownership on DraftKings, on FanDuel, he's projected for 18% ownership, much too low numbers for AJ Dillon in the kind of spot that he's in. Uh, especially when there aren't that many running backs that I'm dying to get to. There aren't that many guys who look at as super obvious plays and apparently the field doesn't either, because like I said, AJ Dillon currently projected for the most ownership at the position right around 20%. We've seen other weeks, you know, Dearness Johnson last week ends up being 50% owned. And we've had a lot of those kind of situations lately, but not really one this week. I think AJ Dillon should be that guy, although he's not currently projected to have the ownership of, of that kind of, of, of play. Uh, so I certainly want to be overweight to the field on him. But you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of mid-range plays that you like this week. I assume that you're referring to some of these guys at the running back position. So what are the names that you have in mind there? So James Conner looks decent again. I mean, projected for 16.1% ownership. So he has slightly uh, negative leverage with a 15.3% boom probability, 15.1% optimal line of probability. But you're still going to get there. I mean, just because he's slightly negative leverage doesn't mean that you want to fully fade him. He's still a great play at 6,100 against the Seahawks without Chase Edmonds involved. Um, so I'll be getting to some James Conner. Uh, Miles Gaskin looks okay. Similar similar situation. So he's slight negative leverage, 13% projected ownership, 11.3% boom probability, 11.6% optimal line probability but he's 5700 as the lead running back against the jets you have to like that uh so i'll be getting some miles gaskin and then david montgomery is really interesting to me um he looks great in the boom bus tool so he's uh 9.9 projected ownership 17 percent boom probability and 18.9 optimal lineup probability um he came back and played on november 8th and he only had 13 carries in that game but i think that was uh just kind of the way the game went uh he Khalil Herbert only had four. So you think David Montgomery is probably going to retake his workhorse uh, role in that offense. And although you don't love the matchup against the Ravens, he can still do it. He's getting just, he'll, he'll, he should get enough work to still do really well for 5,500 um, against the Ravens. Um, and then I'll just throw out there. Oh, I guess, okay, so I guess I got a few more to throw out there in the mid range. So Mark Ingram could look interesting. I'm going to kind of wait to see how the boom bust tool looks with him. Uh, I, I'm not sure that his uh, ownership has been updated yet. Usually we'll, we'll get an update within the next couple hours in the boom bust tool. Um, so we'll see where, where Mark Ingram looks at 5,400 as the lead back against the Eagles. Something to keep in mind. Um, the field is going to Daryl Williams. Um, so we talked about that game environment a bit. Um, it's a great game environment, but he's projected for 16.6% ownership. Um, so he's a guy with a, with a 6.7% boom probability, 7.3% optimal lineup probability. So that's pretty massive negative leverage for Daryl Williams. He's not somebody I'm super interested in. 
Um, but he's a guy that you could go to, I guess. Um, and then the the others that I wanted to mention, um, I guess l- let's stop there. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, do you have anything you want to say about those? And then I'll get into some slightly cheaper guys. I want to talk about Daryl Lynn because I'm kind of confused by the ownership right now, just from this standpoint. He's been terrific the last few weeks. I think off the top of my head, actually, he might even be a top five PPR scoring running back since. By the way, can you hear that in the background? I can. <laughs> yeah, there's a. I, his electrician, I don't know if he just fell down the steps or something, but yeah, Uh-oh. there's a big, big bang. Some, something's going on behind me. The, the other day I was doing a show, he just uh, he walked in and just appeared on the show, but uh, hopefully, <laughs> nice. hopefully, every, hopefully everything's okay behind me. I'd like uh, to meet him. It, it, you just might. Um, so the, the Daryl Williams situation, he's been really good ever since Clyde Edwards-Alaire got hurt, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire is expected to return this week. We don't know that for sure yet, but the last update that we got from Andy Reid is that he returned to practice. He's looking good in practice. He's trending towards playing. So with that in mind, I have to assume that he's either going to be the starting running back for the Chiefs or he's going to massively cut into the workload of Darrell Williams. So I just don't think this is a spot where Darrell Williams should be picking up nearly 16% ownership. How are you How are you looking at, and I know you've already said you think that he's way over-owned as is, but how are you looking at a potential role for Clyde Edwards-Alaire affecting Williams? Yeah, so I think that the, the tools right now just maybe haven't uh, accounted for Clyde Edwards-Alaire coming back yet. Um, so again, I expect we'll have to pay attention to the tools on this one. I think. I also think that his ownership will come down because some of these other options around him have just become more appealing throughout the week. So I think that uh, in in the tools, most likely the ownership on Daryl Williams will come down a lot. Um, if it remains this high and we learn that Clyde Edwards-Alaire is back, then yeah, he's probably just a full fade. Um, it's a little bit scary because it is, you know, a high scoring game environment. He's 5,400. Wouldn't take that much for him to get there, but there are so many options around him that I like better um, that if he does stay at this project at, at the 16.6% projected ownership, I might full fade him. I might just take that risk um, against the Cowboys. I mean, especially if Clyde Edwards-Alaire comes back and is a starter, then obviously it's a full fade. Um, but if not, I still might, I still might do it if the ownership stays this high. Um, I just, I think it's going to come down. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I think it should come down. If it doesn't, then I'm certainly going to be happy to not play him this week, but my assumption is that Clyde Edwards-Alaire plays, if that's the case, Chiefs backfield, something I'm not really going to want to have that much to do with. I'm going to focus on the Chiefs passing game in that game against the Cowboys. And it's not to say that it's not a good game environment. It clearly is. And I think the guys individually, maybe they have upside. I just don't know what to expect from workload. So that's going to be keeping me away from it. But I want to ask you what we're making of Christian McCaffrey this weekend, because working his way back from a hamstring injury, we know about his long history of injuries. He looked back to being his normal Christian McCaffrey role last week, catches 10 passes for 66 yards, runs for another 95 yards. Now we've got Cam Newton, at quarterback. And it's funny. I've seen some people online have takes of like, Oh, what is Cam Newton going to do for Christian McCaffrey? As if, as if McCaffrey can't produce, like we've seen McCaffrey be the number one fantasy player for forever with Cam Newton as his quarterback. It's we've seen the situation play out before and it was no issue for McCaffrey. So I think, if anything, this is a good situation for McCaffrey because we've seen him succeed with Newton at quarterback. Uh, In terms of our projections, I think we might be a little bit light on McCaffrey just for my own personal preference because I don't think there's any kind of restriction on Christian McCaffrey. I think he's full go. And the last time we've seen Christian McCaffrey healthy, he's been a running back who's priced 10K on DK, 10K on FanDuel. Actually, Christian McCaffrey quite a bit more than what our projections and our tools have for him. But how do you feel about him? Yeah, I mean, I really like it. We saw him get there last week or, or get close to there without scoring a touchdown, 
without getting the hundred yard bonuses. He get, I think he got to like 95 rush yards or something. He was right there and then got pulled from the game. So yeah, he's just got such high volume that it's really hard for Christian McCaffrey to not at least get to, you know, 25 fantasy points. He just gets there every week. It seems like as long as he doesn't get hurt. So yeah, he's got a really safe floor. And with Christian McCaffrey, all it would take, he just has to get in the end zone once or twice or get those bonuses. Um, he can do it rushing and receiving. So um, yeah, Chris McCaffrey is definitely one of the highest floor plays. Uh, he might be a great cash play. I guess I don't play. I, I shouldn't even comment on cash. This isn't a cash show. I don't play cash, uh, but he's, he's got a high floor. Um, and I think that the ceiling is there too. So yeah, I really like Christian McCaffrey. Um, his, his price did come up a little bit. The thing that, so, so that, these are the negatives. The price came up. I think it was 8,000 last week. He's up to 8,900 now. Um, and then the ownership came up significantly. It's up to 18.4% projected ownership. Um, like you said, so you were saying that you you think that he um, will look better or he, he looks better to you in terms of uh, his likely output. So maybe you're disagreeing a little bit with the 11.6% boom probability, 9.2% optimal lineup probability. You'd like those to be higher, um, but would you still, would you have them high enough that he would be a positive leverage play at 18.4% projected ownership? Yeah, so I think it's kind of hard to just project the numbers for Christian McCaffrey because he's been hurt so much this year. He was hurt last year. It's a new quarterback situation. But ultimately, in these situations, and I've talked about this for football, I've talked about it for basketball, I've talked about it for baseball, hard with pitchers, with, with hitters, but I do it with, with pitchers. But I really like to look at historical pricing in these kind of situations. And Christian McCaffrey at 8,900 the last time he was healthy. If you told me Christian McCaffrey was going to be 8,900 in 2019, he would have been like 40% owned. This is a guy who was already picking up massive ownership priced over 10K on DK just a couple of years ago. And I think that there's a little bit of sticker shock because like you said, oh, he's more expensive than he was last week. He's much cheaper than he was two years ago though. And I don't think anything's changed from two years ago other than there's been times where he's been injured, but he's healthy now. So I'm not too concerned for DFS if he's going to stay healthy or not. Is it going to be an issue next week? Perhaps, but he's healthy right now. So that's what I really have to rely on for me personally, just some of that historical pricing. And from that standpoint, I have to say that I, I think he's underpriced. Yeah, so I like it. I like uh he looks like a great play. He's the kind of guy, like, if you can get to Chris McCaffrey, you're going to play him. So um, I imagine that I will be, I'm guessing I'll be a little bit under the field at 18%, just because there are other running backs that I really like for a lot cheaper. So that's part of it for me too, is just the, um, the position is, it's, I feel like it's pretty stacked in the mid and cheaper range. So that's going to keep me from going too crazy on Chris McCaffrey, but I haven't run my lineups yet. So maybe I could, I could get there. He's not somebody that I'm going to shy away from uh, unless, unless I'm getting 50% in my crunches, I'm probably not going to try to get away from, from Christian McCaffrey. Uh, he's definitely a running back that I'd like to get to. He's just not, um, I'm not expecting to get too overboard on him just because there are so many other running backs that I like that are cheaper. All right. So walk me through some of those other running backs then. And I know we talked about some of them, but let's say the slate was locking in 30 minutes. Who are the guys you think you would have the most exposure to outside of AJ Dillon? Yeah. So um, first I'll just walk down a little bit uh, the, the more expensive guys, Jonathan Taylor looks okay. Uh, we've talked about, I've said that I like to, to, to get different to find contrarian plays. Sometimes I like to find good fantasy players that are in bad spots. That's the way that it drives down the ownership, um, but he's still got the ceiling. And I think Jonathan Taylor is in kind of one of those spots. So he's somebody I have some interest in. Uh, Delvin Cook looks fine, project for 11.3% ownership. I'm not going to go too crazy there, but I won't be too far into the field, I don't think. Um, Nick Chubb against the Lions is, is somebody that I'm really intrigued by. Um, if he if he does take back his uh, full role, he's recovering from COVID. I don't really, I haven't seen any like 
if he has actual symptoms, if he tested positive or and does, is symptom free, or if he's actually uh, suffered a little bit. But he's coming back pretty quick, so I'm assuming he's symptom free. So Nick Chubb at 7,800 against the Lions interests me for sure. Um, that that's the spot where it, it is an inexpensive price tag for Nick Chubb, um, but it's against the Lions, so I think it's kind of warranted. That's not going to scare me off too much. Um, if you're afraid of Nick Chubb coming back from COVID, maybe not getting that full workload. I think that there's some merit to playing Dearness Johnson again, uh, 5,600 again against the Lions. If he takes on that Kareem Hunt role, which I feel like he's earned it. He's looked really good. Uh, it wouldn't be too shocking to see him. He doesn't look that great in the tools. He's only, he's projected for a 0.4% ownership with a 0.2% boom probability, 0.4% optimal lineup probability. I think this is a spot where I think the tools just can't really account for maybe the roles have changed, right? Like sometimes uh, you got to add that human element a little bit. And I think that there's at least a chance that Dearness Johnson has earned that Kareem Hunt role. Do you, do you think there's a chance there? Yeah, I mean, as long as there is no Kareem Hunt, I, it's probably going to be Dearness Johnson. Like you said, there is still some uncertainty with Nick Chubb. It, being honest, in the most recent build, I mean, I got to 0% of Dearness Johnson, but uh, based on you know the price, no ownership, FanDuel is 8,000, so I wouldn't consider him there. But DK at 5,400, yeah, I wouldn't mind getting to you know 5% or some small share just because he's so low-owned. And the, the upside is apparent if you just think of the logic of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you saw Kareem Hunt in this spot at 0.4% projected ownership, I'm guessing most of us would be well over the field on that. So I'm going to take some shots. I mean, we can't make any real assumptions there, but I think it's an interesting play at least. Um, and then Joe Mixon, the last of the guys that I'll just touch on uh, above the ones that I've already talked about, uh, project for 5.8% ownership, but an 8.4% boom probability, 7.9% optimal lineup probability. I have interest there. Um, but then getting to, we'll get down to the guys that I'm really interested in who really intrigue me here. Jeff Wilson against the Jack Jaguars. Um, so Elijah Mitchell is out. Jeff Wilson is 5,100 as the lead back against the Jaguars. It's hard for me not to really like that. Um, he's currently projected for 6.1% ownership, but I think uh, we'll have to check back when the tools do update. Um, I'm guessing that's going to come up significantly now that Elijah Mitchell is ruled out. But Jeff Wilson is the lead back for the 49ers. At least I assume he's going to be the lead back for the 49ers. He was used a lot more than I expected in their last game. Um, now, now Elijah Mitchell's out. So I'm expecting him to just take over as the lead back. Um, obviously the, the injury risk with Jeff Wilson always scares me, but the upside is apparent uh, for 5,100 against the Jaguars. Uh, do you have any interest in Jeff Wilson? Absolutely. I think Jeff Wilson makes a whole lot of sense. And there are a whole lot of running backs in this mid-range that I like. Mark Ingram, another one you didn't mention, 5,400 on DK, 6,800 on FanDuel. There's going to be no Alvin Kamara this week. And most recent run of ownership, we have Mark Ingram projected for 4% ownership on FanDuel, 7% on DK. Did he look great last week? No, not really, but it didn't stop the Saints from giving him the ball a whole bunch. And that's kind of what I care the most about. So Last week, was he efficient? No. Was was there times where I looked as like, boy, I wish I didn't play Mark Ingram? Absolutely. But end of the end of the game, he finished with over 20 DraftKings points. He had 14 carries for 47 yards, but so what? He scored a touchdown. He also had seven targets in the passing game. So does it really matter if he sucks? Kind of, except if they're going to keep giving him the ball anyway, then what does it really matter too much? I mean, seven targets and then red zone attempts, 14 carries. That's probably enough for him to look pretty good on both DK and FanDuel low ownership. So I'm going to be going back to Mark Ingram. It worked out last week, even if it probably shouldn't have, and the field isn't there this week. Yeah. So yeah, 
these are these are guys that I'm Mark Ingram, Jeff Wilson. I think they both look great. Uh, they're both lead backs in situations where they should have plenty of volume. So yeah, I think uh, I'm, I'm really interested. And then and then coming down a little bit, I'm curious. So so Alex Collins looks really good now. Chris Carson ruled out for the year. Um, Alex Collins looks pretty good in the tool. Six point three percent projected ownership with a six point six percent boom probability, nine point two percent optimal lineup probability uh, as the lead back at five thousand. I definitely have some interest in Alex Collins. Um, and then coming down to the last two that I'm really interested in right now are, and I don't know what to make of it. I think Deontay Foreman is the one that I would have thought uh, is, is the running back I'd want to get to for the Titans against the Texans. Um, the tools don't really agree with that though. So they have, so Deontay Foreman, 4,900 against the Texans, 6.5% projected ownership, 5.7% boom probability, 6.7% optimal lineup probability, but then Adrian Peterson at 4,800, 1.6% uh, projected ownership with an 8.9% boom probability and a 9.9% optimal lineup probability. So based on that, you'd want to get to a lot more Adrian Peterson than Deontay Foreman. Um, I think that I'm not I think I'm probably going to split it a little bit more even uh, than the tools would suggest here, but maybe, maybe I should just be following the tools. I don't know. What, what are you doing with, with those two? So 11 carries for Deontay Foreman last week, eight for Adrian Peterson, four for Jeremy McNichols. It is really hard for me to invest money in a three running back situation because you could, we, we could say right here we go. Is it going to be Foreman? Is it going to be Peterson? I, my gut feeling is Foreman, but it could be Jeremy McNichols also. Well, McNichols and, is out this week. Oh, is he? I missed that. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that does change it a little bit, but still, it's it's multiple running backs considered by like Peterson's so washed at this point in his career. I know. Like you watch him, you watch him play, and it's 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 like he's running in a pool. Like he he's his legs are moving, but he doesn't really go anywhere. It's still it's it's I don't like these situations really where there's multiple running backs considered, and it's not like they're that cheap. We've got. Adrian Peterson right now on FanDuel at 5,700 and Foreman is at 6,200. Then over on DK, Peterson is 4,800. You know, I, I mean, obviously that's still cheap, but I would prefer him if he was mid, mid price. There's no receiving upside with Adrian Peterson. And then Foreman's 4,900, a little more receiving upside there, but it's, it's kind of a, it's just going to kind of be a stay away from me unless we get some kind of definitive report that, Hey, Foreman's going to start. He's going to be the guy or else I'm going to assume that it's a, uh, it's a time split that leads a little bit more towards Peterson because of the game script and he, he just sucks. Yeah. And that makes sense. Um, I, like I said, I have some interest just because they're, they're cheap enough for me that uh, in a positive game script where they, they should be uh, rushing a lot towards the end of the game, you'd expect them to beat the Texans. Um, the Texans are pretty bad defense. So I just think they should be able to put up points if they do it on the ground. I feel like, uh, I mean, it's going to be one of these two, obviously these are the two remaining running backs. So I have, I have more interest than I would if Jerry Mc, Jeremy McNichols was there. Um, maybe I don't want to get too crazy, but I mean, we'll, we'll have to check as the tools uh, update closer to lock, but currently I would definitely have some interest at these projected ownership numbers. Um, and then just the one last running back that I would touch on is Carlos Hyde. If James, Rob James Robinson is ruled out at 4,400, um, the Niners defense is kind of tough. I wouldn't go too overboard, but uh, he does have receiving upside upside. So um, even if they get crushed by the Niners, he could still get there just through the air. So I'd have some interest there. Um, that's that's kind of all the running backs that I wanted to talk about. Is there anybody else that you wanted to touch on? No, I think running back is pretty loaded position this week. There's guys on the, up, on the high end that make sense. And so for me, if I had to roster one expensive option for me this weekend, it's going to be Christian McCaffrey. 
But my favorite plays are a lot of those guys in the mid 5K range that we talked that we talked about, you know, or or into the low 6K range. AJ Dillon, Mark Ingram again. So I think there's a whole lot of guys that really stand out in that salary, and uh, really all the guys that we covered there. Also, if you guys haven't done it already, do us a favor, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Who knows? Maybe in the future I'll be uh, wearing a hat. I, uh, I there's there's a possibility I'll go out and purchase one. I know there's been. There's been rumors of a fedora, a cowboy hat. Who knows what it's going to be? Maybe we'll let the uh, audience have a little bit of input on that. Also, you guys can go sign up over at No House Advantage right now and take advantage of the promo code we have. Because if you use the promo code Awesome, I'll get up to a $25 deposit bonus using that sign-up code. And over at No House Advantage, totally different way to play daily fantasy sports. They have prop-based contests. Really fun. I do shows uh, usually on Wednesdays with uh sometimes with Aton, sometimes with Kaufman. And we just build some lineups looking at No House Advantage and the different props they have there to talk about. It's a fun different way to play daily fantasy sports and I get involved with some props as well. All right, let's head on over to the wide receivers now. And uh I want to start by asking you about AJ Brown because I thought that AJ Brown was going to have a well obviously I thought he was going to do better than last week because he, he couldn't have done much worse than he did last week. Uh, but he does appear to be one of the uh, wide receivers that looks more positively in our tools, at least on FanDuel for this week, where we have him with a 22% chance in the optimal lineup, 19% ownership share over on DK, a little more neutral, 13.6% ownership, 12.7% chance land in the optimal lineup. But I was super high on AJ Brown last week. It did not work out. I'm getting to him again this week. Should I be concerned? I don't think so. I'm going. I'm going to be playing some AJ, AJ Brown as well. I mean, he looks great in the tools. He's got positive leverage. Um, I guess uh, he has slightly negative leverage in terms of optimal lineup probability on DraftKings, but uh, positive in terms of boom probability. Um, the price tag is high. Should drive ownership down. Where he's projected for 13.6% ownership, um, but he is the number one option there for sure. Uh, against the Texans, they should be putting up points. I like you know Tannehill can can put up some points. So yeah, I, I like AJ Brown as a play today. Um, he, he's one of the high end receivers that I would definitely expect to get to um, at least about even with the field, maybe right around 15%. He's projected for 13.6% ownership. So I'm not going way over the field, but I think that I'll be at least close to the field on AJ Brown. I like, I like the play. And then in terms of the high end receivers, because a lot of them do look, you know, kind of about neutral. Is there anyone you look at as being like, oh, I need to be overweight or I need to prioritize this one certain payoff receiver? Is there anybody like that for you? Not really. I mean, they all look good, but they're all the ownership is getting there. So I'm going to have some Devonte Adams. I'm going to have some Tyree Kill. Um, they, they both look about neutral, like you said, but, uh, you know, those are. I'll be mixing them in right, right about even with the field. I think um, Debo Samuel looks great in the tools. Um, I don't, I'm always a little bit afraid to play Debo Samuel and I don't know why, because he just keeps doing it. So I think maybe he's the one that you want to get over the field on. He's only projected for a 13% ownership, but a 20.1% boom probability, 17.4% optimal lineup probability. That's just really good. Um, so I think that I'll probably get uh, well over the field on Debo. Um, you can get to, you know, the, the Dallas receivers. We talked about a little bit. CD lamb looks okay, but again, pretty neutral. Um, yeah, none of, none of them are really standing out as guys that I want to get well over the field on. I think Debo would probably be the most. Is there anybody that I'm missing there among the, the high end receivers that you think that you'd like to get well over the field on? I don't know that I would say well over the field on, but DK Metcalf is one that kind of stands out to me as this higher lock. And we could just talk about all about the Seahawks guys all together right here. 
Uh, Russell Wilson looked terrible last week. And I know there was, do you see all those hype videos that were coming out about him no. during the week where it was like, oh, it's like, look, he's doing all these finger exercises, working on his finger 19 hours a day. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's a little weird, but uh, whatever. There was all these things about, about Russell Wilson and how he was ready to play and that he's doing all these crazy finger exercises, And it finally has him, you know, looking much healthier than he was supposed to. He wasn't supposed to be back for another three weeks. And then, and then you watch the game. It's like, well, maybe he shouldn't have been back when, when, when he did come back. But with that said, he's on the field. And I have to think that Russell Wilson in this offense generates a lot more upside than Geno Smith does. And even if Russell Wilson isn't my favorite individual quarterback on the slate, we've got Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf both way cheaper than they normally are with Russell Wilson at quarterback. And people really aren't rostering them that heavily. So those are two wide receivers that I want to get overweight to the field on just because we know they have such immense upside. And I feel like the Seahawks are just totally getting slept on because of how bad Wilson looked last week. Yeah. So first of all, if I want to get hyped up about Russell Wilson, I just watched the Mr. Unlimited video on repeat. <laughs> are, you, are you familiar with the Mr. Unlimited video? Yeah, just the, it's weird, like uh, un- unlimited, and he's walking around his house saying Mister yeah. Unlimited, and the whole thing doesn't make sense. But uh, maybe the yeah, corniest that's... video of all time. So if you want to get hyped for Russell Wilson, go find the Mister Unlimited video. Uh, but yeah, I was actually I was going to touch on these guys next. I am excited to play both DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Uh, they both look great in the tools. Um, Tyler Lockett in this same matchup last year won me a million dollars. So. Can't really, can't really fade him here. Uh, 9.2% projected ownership for Tyler Lockett, 13.5% boom probability, 14.2% optimal lineup probability. Have to love that. I, I love both these guys. And last year, if you if you want to look at past production, which I know uh, isn't something that's too valuable, but in case you're interested in, in past matchups, last year against the Cardinals, Tyler Lockett had 15 receptions for 200 yards and three touchdowns in the first game. And in the second game had nine receptions for 67 yards and a touchdown. So um, he's done really well in this matchup. I don't know if there's a reason that Tyler Lockett has stood out in these games more than DK Metcalf, uh, but they're both just cheap enough. And yeah, I think that Russell Wilson is probably going to come back and be Russell Wilson again. So I I like them both a lot in this matchup. Yeah. So I'm just looking for some of those upside wide receivers that aren't really picking up much ownership. Those would be two of them. And then, you know, who looks really, who rates out really well for us this week? He's rated out really well the last couple of weeks. It hasn't gone particularly well. Jarvis Landry, not getting targeted downfield really at all. He remains cheap. Obviously, there's still no Odell Beckham in this situation. I'm starting to think, though, that Odell Beckham just isn't going to have that much of an impact on Jarvis Landry's role in the Browns offense. It's still the same amount of targets that are going to him. There's still really short depth of targets, so it's not like it's creating that much upside. But he's still cheap. He's not picking up that much ownership. I had to roster him one side. It would be DK over Fanduel just because of the PPR bonus. But what are you doing with Jarvis Landry? Because I know you really like the boom bust tool and he does rate out really positively. But uh, he's not really shown anything that makes me feel like I should be getting to him a whole bunch over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so if you liked my game logs uh, reference, you're really going to love my <laughs> narrative reference. Uh, so the squeaky wheel reference is uh, is in play here. Squeaky wheel narrative. Um, Jarvis Landry this week expressed displeasure with this role, and Baker Mayfield vowed to get him more involved. So uh, take that for what it's worth. Uh, typically, I, I probably wouldn't factor it in too much. But in this case, Jarvis Landry, 5,100 against the Lions uh, on DraftKings, 8.7% projected ownership, 15.9% boom probability, 18.5% optimal lineup probability. Uh, when the narrative fits what I already want to do, it 
doesn't hurt. So um, yeah, I'm going to definitely be taking shots on Jarvis Landry against the Lions. If Baker Mayfield is uh, a man of his word and does want to get Jarvis Landry involved, I feel like against the Lions, that's a, that's a spot where you can do whatever you want. So this would be the spot to take advantage of, um, you know, trying, trying to get him more involved. So uh, in this case, I'm not going to fade the narrative. I'm going to be playing a lot of Jarvis Landry. He's just too cheap for the matchup against the Lions. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that Odell Beckham really affects him as much as, uh, as much as we want it to so far, it has not. Um, but I would expect as the clear number one, instead of kind of a one, a one B situation, I would expect him to be in a better situation here. So yeah, I'm, I'm liking Jarvis Landry a lot. And as I mentioned earlier, he, uh, the, 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 uh, stack with Baker Mayfield on Yahoo was really intriguing for me with, uh, 23 for Mayfield and, and 13 for Landry. I really like that as well. So yeah, I'm going there. Do you think, I, I know last week that you were a little bit hesitant to play Jarvis Landry. Has that changed at all this week for you? It's not hard to get overweight to the field when he's only 8%. I don't know. I want him to be a core play for me though. And it's beyond just, so, all right, let's say the Baker Mayfield really prioritized getting the ball to Jarvis Landry. Baker Mayfield has sucked as of late. He's been terrible this season. So I don't even know how much that overall helps him. Like, I don't know how we're really viewing and rating Baker Mayfield at this point in his career. He's going to be in the mix for me, but I think there's still a lot of guys in this mid-tier price range that I'm going to like more than Jarvis Landry. Like we talked about before, Tyler Lockett. We've got Tyler Lockett for the same exact ownership as Jarvis Landry, but for $900 more. I'd rather play Tyler Lockett. Tyler Lockett, I feel better about the upside of him with Russell Wilson at quarterback than Jarvis Landry. Uh, so there's still other guys I like getting to, you know, DJ Moore being another one at 5,900. We talked about liking Cam Newton a little bit earlier in the show and DJ Moore at 5,900. He was a fantasy stud at the beginning of the season. He trailed off a lot recently, but a lot has to do with quarterback play. If we're going to be on Cam Newton, I think DJ Moore is a little, is it makes a little bit of sense. Michael Pittman's been really good as of late. I think that him in about the same pricing range, I prefer him to Jarvis Landry. So it's a pretty loaded pricing tier for me, this you know five to 6K range of wide receiver. And there's a lot of guys I want to be mixing in. Uh, is there anybody else that's really a priority for you at wide out? Yeah, so as you probably guessed, because we use the same tools, all those guys look good to me as well. I have them all listed as, as players that I'm interested in. Uh, outside of them, I have a little bit of interest. We'll have to see uh, once the tools update for... Uh, DeAndre Hopkins being out. If Kyler is playing, I will definitely have some interest in Christian Kirk, AJ Green, Rondell Moore. Um, they all, they're just going to be too cheap uh, based on their roles with Hopkins being out. If Kyler is in um, a little bit of interest in Tyler Boyd at 4,800 uh, T Higgins, Jamar Chase, they're, they're all playable. Um, Jalen Waddle. I mean, I mean, we've talked about Tua as well. Uh, he's a guy that you can definitely pair with Tua. He looks pretty solid in the tools, only 13.1% projected ownership, 15.8% boom probability, 15.5% optimal lineup probability. So I'll get to some Jalen Waddle. Um, Darnell Mooney looks pretty good. 3.3% projected ownership, 6.1% boom probability, 7.6% optimal lineup probability. Have to like that. I'll get to some Darnell Mooney as well. Um, and then finally, I mentioned earlier, Joe Flacco has some decent pairing options this week. Uh, Corey Davis for 5,000 against the Dolphins, 3.8% projected ownership, 9.9% boom probability, 9.9% optimal lineup probability. That's really positive leverage. So I'll get to some Corey Davis uh, and then Jamison Crowder as well. 1.8% projected ownership with a 5% boom probability. 5.8% optimal probability. I have some interest there as well. All right. So let's move over to the tight ends and we're, we're starting to run a little short on time, but I want to say when we get to the tight ends, the position's finally loaded again. It's, it's been a minute since we've had a lot of options at tight end. I'm going to be trying to prioritize spending up over on Fanduel. We've got Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, George Kittle in the mix. All three of them look excellent to me. They look excellent to me on DK as well, although I also have, Dal have to add Dalton Schultz into the mix 
as being a really strong DK option. Was only 4,600. We talked about that really good game environment in between the Dallas Cowboys and the Kansas City Chiefs. And with Amari Cooper out for the Dallas Cowboys, you start to look and say, where else are the targets going to go? Dolan Schultz only 4,600 on DK. That's one that makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, but in terms of tight end, are you looking to pay up this week? And if so, which of the three stud tight ends appeals to you the most? Yeah, so I'll, be, I'll definitely be paying up in some of my lineups. I don't know that I'm going to be too far over the field. Um, I think looks like Darren Waller looks – no. Uh, Darren Waller or George Kittle, they, they both look really solid in the tools. Kittle only projects for 7% ownership with a 13.8% boom probability, 10.2% off the line of probability against the Jaguars. Um, I have a lot of interest there. And then Darren Waller, 13.5% projected ownership with a 19% boom probability, 13.7% optimal line of probability. Um, I'm going to be getting to all three of those guys. Um, I guess if I if I had to choose one, I'd probably pay Kittle. It's probably the guy I'm going to be uh, most over the field on. Um, but then I think going down a little bit is where it gets really interesting. Just just I'll, I'll go quickly. Uh, Gesicki, 6.3% projected ownership, but a 17% boom probability, 10.6% optimal lineup probability against the Jets. Um, that just looks great. We're already playing Tua. Gesicki is a great pairing option. Uh Zach Ertz looks okay. Dalton Schultz looks incredible. You mentioned him. 6.8% projected ownership, 16.8% boom probability, 14.5% optimal lineup probability. Uh, I'm going to be getting to a lot of Gesicki and Schultz when I'm not paying up. I'm probably not going to be going too much to the cheaper options. Uh, are there any other Are there any other tight ends you think you're going to be going uh, well over the field on? Not really. I mentioned Dalton Schultz, DK-specific, FanDuel. I'm going to be trying to pay up for tight end where I can between Kittle, Waller, and Kelsey. Kittle's looked really good the last couple of weeks, and I've still been kicking myself over a couple of weeks ago. You and I both said, George Kittle, almost no ownership, looks like a great upside play. And then we get that news right before the slate starts. He's only expected to play, play on about 50% of the snaps. And I was like, all right, I can't be on Kittle. And then he just looked like peak George Kittle in that game. And he's looked great ever since. So George Kittle, it, it's funny because I don't really like Jimmy Garoppolo this week, but I like George Kittle and Debo Samuel. So maybe I have to reevaluate what I think about Jimmy Garoppolo, but it kind of seems like he's throwing the ball. It's either going to Debo Samuel or George Kittle, and they're giving the ball to Debo no matter what. Even if it, if it means they're handing the ball off to Debo Samuel six times a game, they're fine with doing that as well. So I think there are paths for Kittle and Samuel and or Samuel to get there without Jimmy Garoppolo having a big game. Uh, but yeah, to me, it's going to be paying up a tight end. Travis Kelsey also, he looked rough for a little bit. He appears to be looking healthier and back, which also I think is correlated to Patrick Mahomes playing a lot better last week. But uh, more so than any other week that we've seen this year, I'm prioritizing paying up a tight end. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I like paying up and I like the mid-range options. Um, so yeah, plenty of options at tight end this week. I'm glad it's been the, the past few weeks. We've had some, some solid tight end options uh, after looking pretty dead earlier on. All right, guys, if you haven't done so already, do us a favor, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've got a lot of content coming up. There is MMA Live Before Lock, NBA Deeper Dive, NBA Live Before Lock. But first, Neil and I, we're, we're foregoing the defense position. Good. We, we're able to, we made, we were able to cover the other positions in full. I don't have to spend three minutes on these crappy defenses that I don't care about. So we're going to close the show out with our favorite stacks of the week. Which stack, and you know the question, Neil, if you were playing one tournament lineup this weekend, who would be the stack and the who would be the quarterback and the stack options you'd go with? I think I'm going to screw it. Go with my conviction play. Go with Baker Mayfield to Jarvis Landry. Oh, okay. And by the way, actually, I just noticed we got a super chat, which I'll bring up here too, because D. Owens 89 looks like he's come up with a stack option of himself. He wants to know, is Mayfield and Donovan Peoples-Jones too thin of a play for a large field tournament? So you like Mayfield. He appears to like Mayfield as well. 
are you going to be looking to stack them with uh, Donovan Peoples Jones at all? Yeah, in the Millie Maker, I think it's a fine play. I don't think I don't think it's too thin at all. Um, I prefer Jarvis Landry, but uh, yeah, I mean Peoples Jones. Um, I, he didn't look great in the leverage tool or in the boom bust tool. He didn't have positive leverage, uh, so I didn't bring him up. But I think that it's you know he's still going to be low owned enough that I don't think it's too uh, thin for a large field tournament. Give me uh, Tua Tagovailoa to Jalen Waddle. I think they've had a really good connection so far this year. We've seen a bunch of games where Tua's been quarterback and Waddle's been helping. We've seen Tua target him, you know, upwards of 10 times in some of those games. Tua's sheep, Waddle's sheep really enables me to spend up at a lot of other positions. So that is where I'm going. Guys, that is going to do it for us this week. One more time, I'm asking you, like this video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and good luck this weekend.